Because I would say when I'm around them, their attitude, right? They don't, they've never heard of graphic design. They never heard of Photoshop. And then they can get in there and they can be competitive with each other. And I'm the best design, even to, just to say we designers. We've all been in the creative business for more than 20 years and love almost everything about it. But we have to admit, there are times when it's a shit show. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the ups and downs of the design and marketing business and share ideas and support that get us through the day. And sometimes we'll just shoot the shit. So welcome to the Creative Shit Show. Our guest today is Jamal Collins. He's a designer, photographer, videographer, speaker, and storyteller based out of Cleveland, Ohio. And I'm not sure Jamal would classify himself as this, but I do. He's an investor in futures. No, I'm not talking about financial portfolios. I'm talking about the hearts and minds of future creatives. Uh, Jamal had a transformative moment early in his uh, own creative career uh, that set his course and passion to mentor, advise, and teach design to at-risk youth. And their story, and his story is a real-world example, in my opinion, of design for good. So, Jamal, thank you for agreeing to be on the Shit Show podcast with us, and we look forward to discussing uh, what what you've been up to. Well, thank you. Thank you. That was beautiful. Can I get a copy of that? <laughs> sure. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. The first question we have for you is, is two-part. Um, I want people to know a little bit more about you. So tell us a bit of about how you got into what you're currently doing and who mentored you in your youth. Uh, wow. I really didn't have a lot of mentors in my youth. I would say like my parents and my grandparents was a heavy influence in my life. Um, I got here because luckily design, graphic design, that industry got commoditized and I got kicked out of corporate. So that's kind of how I landed where I am. Um, I'm a designer by trade, like you said. Um, I guess popular culture had a big influence on me growing up. So I kind of gravitated towards um, graffiti and I was uh, always had a love for drawing, but I think everybody was drawing at a young age. I had characters, drawing football characters and stuff like that. Um, I guess you would say the hip hop culture kind of just landed on us in the 80s, because I'm, I'm born in 1970, I'm 52. So when hip hop um, came into um, fruition, it was, uh, I was 12, so 82, 83, I'm like 13 and 14. So I'm kind of heavily influenced in the design industry and stuff like, not design industry, but graffiti, breakdancing, rapping, DJing and all of that good stuff. So that was a heavy impact on me too. Love it. Jamal, I just got to know, because uh, we're of the same age and actually have some of the same interests. Back in the day, just one of my favorite groups was Eric Bean Rakim. And uh, I had uh, uh, a horrible time trying to uh, be a break dancer and um, to the point where everyone in my family made fun of me. (laughs) (laughs) Now Justin Justin likes new edition. That's Justin's. I mean, you know what the problem was, was that we didn't have YouTube. So we didn't have really a lot of point of interest to, you know, Mm -hmm. to help us. You know, we had to learn it on our own the best way we could. So it was like a lot of work involved in breakdancing, working on your moves and having the courage to battle somebody. 
So. Yeah, and I remember I, I I actually asked for like like birthday presents, magazines, like mm. how to magazines yeah. of how to like pop lock and stuff like that. And my grandma would watch me, and I would do it, and she would make me feel like I was great. And then I'd go out and just get destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are there videos or photos of I'm this wondering. from your? Really hey, let's hey, let's let's go ahead and get back. Let's go ahead and get back to Jamal's interview. What no. were you saying? Bon? <laughs> no. Yeah, so that's what that's kind of how I got to where I am. You know, I tried to work my way up the corporate ladder. I got a degree in graphic design. Um, I kind of started off in '91, so I beta tested Photoshop, Illustrator, and all of that stuff. It really wasn't no point of references as far as like black designers or mentors or even how to. Cause I'm kind of like the first in my um, family to graduate from college. So I don't really have any corporate ties to help me, you know, kind of work my way up the corporate ladder. And it's kind of a vicious business to, to jump into being, you know, 26, 27 years old and, you know, trying to find your place as a designer and kind of be innovative and creative while you have, you know, to work within the guidelines of corporate and other people that's not really, familiar with you and how you are and they kind of want you to be a certain way and you know a lot of that is like you could be as good as you want to be on paper but if you're not like you know we got this term that everybody knows right now emotional intelligence right that's popular we kind of familiar with that now but if you don't really know you're not really good at being a people person or learning the rules of corporate and working your way up that ladder can be can work on your psyche and kind of take you out your game actually so mm -hmm. all those soft skills that people just kind of discount you know being able to talk to people and have conversations and hold your own and you know keep your tone and all of the things you know we don't get taught that always i think i think just the the ruthlessness and cutthroatness of the corporate game in itself mm -hmm. right or right. you know your ideas getting shot down I kind of just heard mm -hmm. something about Walt Disney. He said if he uh, told his ideas to enough people and they all turned them down, that he would go with that idea. So that's like crazy. <laughs> that's crazy to think about. So how was it that graphic design was the thing that you went to? That's a good question. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to 91. It is no internet yet it's just they just you know laying down the, the computers right so it's no way to look up these salaries there's no way to look up how cool vine is and all this stuff so it's no way to do it <laughs> so you just get a brochure and it just says illustrations photography graphic design and we kind of know like this whole starving artist we couldn't really see these people flourish we just know what our parents told us that you can't make no money being a designer. We didn't know what was right. com coming for us yet. So graphic design kind of seemed like the most technical term. And that's why I chose it. Not to mention, I think it was the term that it was like, maybe I can actually make some money doing this versus, yeah. I know when I went to school, my dad was like, he was very proud of me. My mom was like, whatever you want to do. My dad yeah. was a little bit like, I don't know, but go for yeah. it. You know, shout out to yeah. all Shout out to all the parents that let us just pick this major. And yes. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I remember seeing my first communication arts and opening up the advertising annual, and it was the Michael Jordan, Mars Blackman ads. Mm. And and uh, it was, you know, all of like the sports and music 
heroes that I had right there. And I was like, what is that? And it was advertising. And then I know advertising that had designers. And so it, it really, you know, it's so different today. Uh, I'm excited that it is because, mm -hmm. you know, you can be in this profession and really lean into your interests uh, in a way that, you know, it's just really magical, I think. Absolutely. Um, so you were in a corporate gig and then you decided to, well, it sounds like, were you laid off or did you just quit that job? Like, yeah. how, did you, how did you end up at the Boys and Girls Club? Yeah. So what happened was, um, this is around 2008, 2009. So we got the real estate bubble, the economy tank, and then I'm out of work, which was good. It was cool. You know, Obama's in office. I'm getting Obama um, unemployment, which was lovely. So I kind of switched jobs. I had jumped to um, two other jobs. It was a payment increase, which was cool too. And then after that, it was hard for me to find work. I think one of the downsides of being in a corporate company, because I worked at PricewaterhouseCoopers oh, for wow. nine years, and they had strict um, branding guidelines, right? So the branding guidelines was beautiful because it's a cookie cutter template, easy to follow. Anybody who can come in, can design these because uh, I was responsible for all the collateral throughout the company. So that's accountants, lawyers, auditors, marketing, everybody. So this branding guidelines could be easily replicated and it could be, you know, commoditized and downsized to move over to India, which is a beautiful idea for the company. It's less pay, but it's horrible for me because when I first came in, it was like six designers and we and we was responsible for all the printing and stuff like that, too. So when that happened, I quickly saw design just take a turn because it's easily replicated and easily be, easily be, to be done, right? So I kind of jumped from job to job and then I was out of work. So I was making, oh, this is another thing I wanted to say. It was like the, the problem with the guidelines is it kind of stagnated me from being a designer. So when I switched from being underneath the structure, clean, because all my designs is like that now real structure, simple, clean layouts. And then when I moved to a design agency that was open up to do whatever you wanted to do, I had a problem in there. And it, one of those things was funny about being a designer, it's like a sink or swim type of thing. They're not gonna tell you that you failing. It's either you're gonna get on it, crush these designs, move your way up, or you're gonna be out on the street. And that's to me, one of the difficult, difficult things of being a creative is because you may, it's, such a subjective area to be in you know you got to kind of be in sync with your art director or creative director and if you're not you're going to be out on the street so mm -hmm. um i i've been uh, the last job before i started my own agency as a art director but they had a, a list of clients so every year we'd be working on the same projects at the same time it's just the new iteration of it, but we're always following the the brand guidelines for whatever that, that client or business is. And it kind of got old. So I, I understand what you're talking about there. Even with some of my clients now, I'll create a brand style guide for them, but I always try to let them know this, this isn't a hard and fast rule. You know, you have flexibility to have creativity. This is just so people don't misuse your logo or your, your graphics. It's not, it shouldn't limit your creativity. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people that tend to view it that way, especially marketing people. Yeah. Hey. So, <laughs> sorry. So 
<laughs> so just to speed up a little bit, I was out of work for six years after that. So I got a college degree wow. and now I can't find any sustaining work, right? Wow. To even come at the level where I was at, I'm willing to take anything. I volunteered at the Boys and Girls Club. They gave me an opportunity to come in as an art director. And now I'm coming in as an art director, a huge pay cut. You know, I got a family to support. It was a lot of difficulties in there. I'm in an area that I'm not familiar with at all. I'm a designer by trade, so I just want to sit in my cubicle and just not be bothered. So now I got to learn how to do classroom management. I got these kids that is probably in one of the roughest areas in Cleveland. They got, you know, hunger issues, behavior issues, things like that. So it's a lot of dynamics in there. And now I'm trying to teach them how to paint Starry Night. It's a, you know. (laughs) Bit of a disconnect. Yeah. 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 For me, too. So, I mean, but it's helping me kind of come out of my comfort zone. I'm doing something I've never done before. You know, second day they stole my car. I tell that story every time. So what? Yeah. The second day I started, somebody stole my car. I don't think they would have if they would have known who I was. But my car just out front, my window kind of opened and they took my car. So. You know, I was like almost this close from quitting because I'm like, man, I'm already been out of work for six years. I'm not as popular as I am now. So I don't have a whole lot of retention on work. I don't have any idea about licensing and licensing work. So I'm just doing jobs one time and that's it. You know, it's just like a lot of missing pieces and, you know, being just coming out of straight out of school. So that's kind of where I try to fill in the gap now. I think, you know, I may be jumping ahead a little bit, but we kind of miss like that personal piece, that marketing, understanding marketing, understanding branding and how to do that piece and sell our work and stuff like that. I think they just kind of teach us how to be workers. So Right. I think that you you experienced a lot of what so many people experience in the corporate world. They are in their their cubicle and they really don't know how to deal creatively outside of that cubicle without some challenges. And I think that's exactly what you experienced during a recession. Yeah. Saw some consultants come in to Boys and Girls Club doing specialized work. And I think that Boys and Girls Club kind of felt bad for me for my car getting stolen and stuff like that. So they let me, um, because I saw some computers and I told my director at the time, I was like, Dad, get some computers over there. Won't you let me teach graphic design? Because that's my thing. Right. So he went forward. I resigned. I came back as a, just within a year, I came back as a consultant and I kind of piloted it at one location. And then it moved from one location to seven locations. It was probably a hundred kids a month, probably like four or five IMAX per location. And I'm recording my sessions at the same time. So I'm creating content around what I was doing, a video that I shot about my neighborhood went viral. And then now I'm creating vlogs every day. I'm doing speed art because I was using speed art as a way to um, showcase what the class and what they were getting out of that. So I'm kind of holding myself accountable for creating this content and using this platform to, you know, let them know what the possibilities are to be designers, creators, and be in this creative space and teaching at the same time. It's a lot going on. I'm moving a camera around. I'm teaching at the same time. I'm driving to these locations. So, you know, it's a, a you know, it's kind of challenging, but you know, it was, it's, it's worth what I saw I was doing, right? And then it's, it's 
is sometimes we get into our own bubble and we don't know what we're doing or how we're doing it till somebody else looks at it. So then when I'm sharing what I'm doing, other people can come and give me some perspective on like, well, you're a change agent or you're a philanthropist or you, you know, you're, um, you're doing this or you're doing that. And I was like, oh, really? You know, so it's kind of cool to share this stuff. And, you know, that's kind of how I started because I was taking kids on, you know, design trips. So I'm taking them to um, Weapons of Mass Creation. Weapons of Mass Creation is like a design conference that was here in Cleveland. So I'm taking them to mm -hmm. these conferences. I got designers. I got graffiti artists coming to visit them, telling them to ask them about their work. I'm telling So I'm kind of talking about this stuff that, you know, not only just how to design, but I'm kind of regurgitating stuff that I'm learning about marketing, about Zeph Gold and about the linchpin, about Tim Ferriss for our work week and putting them in terms that they can understand. So I'm kind of putting myself to say, OK, if if I took myself and I went back to who I was at these different stages, college, corporate, wherever they are after graduation, surviving in corporate, how to maneuver themselves right now. So that's kind of where evolved so did the kids that are coming to the classes that you're that you're teaching are they being recommended into those classes or are they showing up on their own or how what's the process look like for the kids that are joined like i guess what i'm asking is are they there because they want to be there and they've signed up to learn about the things that they know you're going to teach them or or are they just there to maybe have a reprieve from being you know out in danger uh when i first started i've been doing this for seven years about eight years now um when they first started you know they just like okay go in there mr collins type of thing and then you know now to the point where i'm kind of hand picking them right so the awesome. nerdy kids the creative kids i'm kind of like hand picking those kids i would like to say like so you're a scout too now yeah because i'm not just teaching kids i'm teaching adults i got senior citizen classes like i'm teaching college students i'm teaching oh awesome cool. yes yeah, it's, it's everybody <laughs> what a fulfilling no i mean that's that's i mean you actually kind of brought you got me emotional here for a second but i just think that that's pretty amazing to think that you know one day you could feel no hope and the next day like they end up in your class however they get there and and they see somebody different doing something different than they're used to hearing about you know that's a that's a big deal yeah sometimes you forget because you're just kind of in it going through the motions right because i feel like you know and when you're in a space where you're kind of not happy with how things are going you kind of hit a ceiling right and then you break through that you know i'm going to reference zeph golden again he talks about the dip you have to go through that dip period before you can come up to the top so once you're up at the top, I feel like I've hit the ceiling at this point right now. And I'm like, dang, where, how can I take this further? Or where, where am I lacking at or where I'm missing that right now? So, you know, you kind of get comfortable with, you know, I've been successful doing what I'm doing. And I feel like I've been really too comfortable. I really want to talk about mm. that. <laughs> <laughs> I like to pick at people's brains. I'm sorry. That's it. Yeah. I haven't made anyone cry yet. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie will be the Barbara Walters of making people cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you have support with everything that you're doing? Do you have a, a team behind you? <sighs> Other people volunteering? Oh, man, that's tricky, too. I do have a team. <clears throat> 
it's kind of changed. So you could say like it's eight years. Uh, so the eight years if if it's kind of shifted some. So I'm I'm kind of operating as a consultant underneath um these other organizations. Either it's after school programs or it's you know uh, community centers and things like that. So they have a lot of control over you know the budget and you know we kind of work out a contract, but the control is a little bit is limited. It limits it limits me right. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I'm kind of been you know, shifting a little bit, trying to go after my own funding so I can have a little bit more control. I don't have my own brick and mortar, obviously, um, things like that. So um, I could use, you know, I I, I am looking to have more more sustainable model with having like some help. So I do have a team, but it's not like a concentrated team team. They kind of working on something over here. We kind of come together, things like that. So. Yeah, I could see you having your own nonprofit. Yeah, you know, then I had to kind of switch my hat and kind of my role would be right. different. I would be an executive director. I got to build a board. I was kind of on leaning on that area heavy. So right now, I don't know if I'm built for being an executive director. <laughs> and then it's just like being a manager. <laughs> then you don't yeah. get to do the creative stuff. Well, I, I have. <laughs> you're obviously so amazing. I, I'm working with um, somebody. Uh, his name is Ishmael Samad. He's a friend of mine. He's a chef. So he's into the culinary space and the food justice space. And I come to him and we kind of I'm responsible for voice and culture. So he's really heavy on an executive director role, building up a nonprofit. The nonprofit is called Loiter. And that's an initiative. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. an initiative. Oh, good segue. <laughs> yes, I, no, I definitely want to talk to you about loiter. Before we before we lean into that, Jamal, I'd love to know what is it about design and creativity specifically that you know seems to connect so well in the spaces that you are um, working in, uh, especially around this social impact and design for good. Uh, I think I think it's just really really being heavy into self awareness and who you are. Right. I'm okay with putting, it's just almost like being okay with pumping the brakes on me starting my own nonprofit. Right. Even though that's the, probably the Mm -hmm. next best option to move for me to make. So I just, I'm kind of in tune with how I am, like my psyche, like even the way I feel, like my emotions. Right. Because that's part of being a designer, being a creative too. I think those both run parallel together. So I'm okay with being a little quiet sometimes or shy. I might not seem like that in front of the camera, but you know, sometimes it's okay for me to pump the brakes on maybe my YouTube channel because I posted like content nonstop every Saturday for probably like four or five years. So I kind of, you know, pace myself because I I'm a father too. So um, I got you know seven kids. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. Are you really? Huh? Do you really have seven kids? Yeah, I got seven. So wow, how my, old are they? Oh, I got a six-year-old and a thirty-year-old. <laughs> so, so I got six. Serious? That's a good. That's a good range. Yeah, I got. Oh, I thought Justin had a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah, I got six, eight, twelve, fourteen, sixteen. Uh. uh it gets blurry. He's on the spot. Um, on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> number six and number seven are missing. Yeah. <laughs> so 
look at Creative South, uh, how old was your daughter who videotaped you? Right. Yeah, she was like 20, 25. Okay. Yeah, she's 30 now. So that was like five years ago. Yeah. yeah. So I've got two little ones. I take them to school and pick them up. You know, it's a lot. I got like three. I got five kids in school. So wow. right, now, right now I'm in a space where I'm just kind of being a dad, right? Just taking them, you know, uh, taking care of them and doing stuff like that. So that's kind of- You need that. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So I'm okay with not being as busy, busy, or, you know, I can't concentrate all the time like I would want to, you know, all the time because I got this going on. But I am an advocate for doing deep work and concentrated work. So I do really push people who don't have families yet to really focus and do this design work and understand marketing, understand yourself, you know, personal development and the tools of the trade and where the industry is going to. I think these is all key. So just to, to circle back to that. So if I'm hearing you right, from your perspective, design specifically in the variety of ages that you connect with, uh, you feel that that is a great uh, medium or place to meet people at because of the ability to uh, look at yourself, self-express, and then be able to express emotions, energy, feelings, that sort of thing? Yeah. Well, I would lean heavy on like innovation and disruption. That At this point, that's what I would want them to do. So creativity too. I see a, I see a lack of creativity, right? So creativity, making change and making change now and not waiting to, to I graduate from college and wait until I get a job and, you know, just action and do stuff now and think about a team. Like you asked me about a team, like, you know, they should be thinking about a team right now, too. And me being part of this team, you guys being a part of that team as well, and being able to look at some grades, look at some designs. I mean, can you think about having access to other designers in college and having them look at your portfolio? This is crazy that you can do this now. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Amazing. Yeah. So and, and, and also seeing where I can come in and just have the idea to change something. I can be innovative right now and change policy or change, you know, be an advocate and, you know, and be a policy changer just because I'm a designer. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a powerful role. I could come up with a clothing line. I could come up with an app. I could come up with a, you know, my own reality show and I don't need ABC or TNT to pick the show up and go crazy. I mean, this is like things that people, you don't know what you can do until you do it. A difference between having ideas and imagination, but you got to act on it. So that's, that's the main key to doing that. That's, that's so good that you fill their heads with such positive thoughts and hopeful thoughts that, you know, they kids don't know how to take action a lot of times. So they do need guidance, even older ones, you know, they, they still need you to point them in the right direction. They get Absolutely. there eventually, but they need someone to hold their hand, you know, even when they act too cool for it, you know? Absolutely. I think the information is just, so so much information that we could just sit in our seat and just watch stuff take place. I think that's another one problem. Like I got some older students right now. They kind of they like to just listen to me talk and not really do stuff. So <laughs> I try. To, you know, I think it's good for me because I'm a dad. I've been a dad for so long, so I kind of treat my students like they're my kids. So I can get fussy. I can get tough on them. I could just tell them how it is. Even my older students, like y'all just want to sit around and watch me talk. Y'all got to pull these laptops out and move this text around. That's the only way you're going to learn. Right. <laughs> I need you to come over to my house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all four of us need you. Yeah. I need Jamal in my phone. Yeah, we all could use that. So Jamal, let's talk about Loiter. 
share with us like how did that start and, and really what the mission of it is? I don't know if I can explain the mission. The mission is like Lauder is like a concept, right? So I, I joined forces with Ishmael Samad. I call him Izzy. That's his nickname. He's from East Cleveland. I'm from East Cleveland. East Cleveland is probably one of the poorest cities in America. It's no gas, it's no banks, it's no grocery stores, it's no anything. It's in just like in the middle of Cleveland, University Heights, it's in these different spaces. So Izzy's been probably the last seven years, he's been a personal chef at Martha's Vineyard. And he's been in this, you know, coming more out of being a chef and more into um, he's got a restaurant, more into agriculture, social justice work type of thing. So he's kind of like on the flip side of me, he's a creative, but in the culinary and I'm a designer. So he wanted to start something. He was kind of, I don't know, had didn't like how, now I won't say he didn't like how what was, what was going on in Boston, but his eyes was always on Cleveland as well on what he did in Boston. So he moved back home. He moved next door to his parents. Um, they kind of own the whole street. They got like two houses, three houses on the street, a lot. Um, so they got like beehives, a place where you can get parish foods at, and he's got a building, right? So we come together. He wanted me to help him tell a story on what he did. Plus, we both rooted in EC, <clears throat> East Cleveland. So we started a podcast called Loitering and Unarmed, and we're just kind of having unapologetic conversations about the city, where it is, and where we see it. So I just kind of come in on my end on where I feel like people should be at. And we have like four acres and on those four acres, we got like three buildings. And so slowly but surely, we've been activating that space. We've been having a farmer's market every Wednesday. Um, we have holding a podcast in this area. We have pop-up skates. So we have a literally a pop-up skating rink that's huge inside of the building. Some areas don't have water yet. We got lights, like extension cords. So this is all grassroots and just trying to get funding. And he's kind of really heading up the nonprofit loiter. So that's why I kind of pumped the brakes on my end of doing Creative Kids Group, because that's my company, right? So I'm kind of operating as an LLC, Creative Kids Group. Did your students uh, brand that? Which one? The logo type for loitering. The, no, he had a design group do. He had a design team do that. Okay. You got some other designers doing that. I'm just doing like the podcast. I kind of turned into a diva. I don't really do a lot of design. Jamal. Yeah. Jamal, it would be great if, if you could, just for our listeners, just to kind of get a little bit of a, a deeper context, if, if you can, what are some of the unique challenges that, that are in East Cleveland? So like, it's like a resources. Part of the thing with Lauder is trying to get people to invest in, in some of their own farming, right? So to have their own products, to sell their products, that's part of it. So it's like a different, it's a bunch of different social enterprises is what Lauder is. So it's not just, you know, food justice space, the design space, it's wherever you want to come in, that type of thing. So it's, we're seeing a lot of communities being gentrified all the time and there's no black ownership in these spaces. So we want the people down there to take ownership of it, but it's, it's going to take a lot of work because politics is very unstable. You know, it's a lot of bad news associated with the politics, the councilmen and all of that type of stuff. I'm really not that heavy uh, advocate for politics myself, so I can't really speak on it in depth. I kind of really focus on design and marketing, kind of where my area is, but it is 
a lot of issues, but it's a lot of communities. It's not just East Cleveland. That's just where we're from. So um, it's only right for me to teach and try to empower some kids on where I'm from and in that school and in that area, that type of thing. I think it's just, you know, people really need to be educated and starting companies and starting businesses. So that's kind of where I said, that's why I said all ages, because I'm teaching a lot of elders right now and they want to start stuff. They retired. They got the time on their hands. They coming in my class and they poets. They everybody has these beautiful stories, beautiful history, and they just need to be told and need to be shared and, and need to kind of you know have a uh, be able to you know talk to some people to say, look, I got an idea, I got an option over here for you to do X, Y, and Z. I think it's just the resources and lay out a plan for people. There's another thing that um, I run across a lot of people that even have started like programming, but the graphics need help. Their marketing is really lacking in marketing. So I really want to lean heavy on, you know, helping people market themselves and market their ideas, understand customer retention, um, understand funnels and, you know, things like that. So so you've been doing this for quite a while. Have you had any real success stories from the young people? You know, kinda. people that have launched yeah. T-shirt lines or... Kind of, kind of. Here, here and there, small things, not like not like I would envision it. It's one of those things like a lot of people move or a lot of people not really there yet. Like my oldest group is just starting college. So one of my students did design some hats. He designed some stuff. He moved over to, moved over to college. Um, I kind of lost, I kind of lose connect with people. And that's, pro- that's probably not their problem. That's probably on my end. So um a lot of, you know, little small things here and there. Nothing like major, major yet, but they're still kind of young. Do you believe that there's one specific thing that really helps these kids get on a path to success? I would say when I'm around them, their attitude, right? They don't, they've never heard of graphic design. They never heard of Photoshop. And then they can get in there and they can be competitive with each other. And I'm the best design, even to, just to say we designers. To me, that's right. to me that's a that's a major um, accomplishment, you know. And and one of the things was that I was kind of when I first started off, I was teaching industry standard on Adobe, you know, Creative Suite, and that kind of limited me because I couldn't have with so many, you know, Creative Suite accounts and iMacs. And then I started just mm-hmm. teaching principles and disciplines of design using Canva and using Adobe Spark. So now I can come into like 30 computers. Right? So I got right. two classrooms of two sets of eighth graders. So I got like 30 students coming in talking about we designers. I'm the best. I can do this. I can do that. Oh. We would Jay working, all of this type of stuff. So they follow me on the YouTube channel. They want to be on the YouTube channel. They got their own YouTube channels. So, you know, all of this stuff. I, I was going to say like my oldest class that kind of stuck with me. It's just not attending college now, right? So, I mean, yeah, a couple more years, you're going to hear about them coming out of college. As yeah, I would love to see that. That's awesome. They're going to come back to you. You've made a huge impact on their life. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Aw, he's like beaming with pride. Everyone, uh, you can see him. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You look so happy. Yeah. You know, I need you guys. Thank you. I haven't been on the podcast in a while, so. Um, I kind of forget. Well, it's good. To, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Jamal, I, 
we could have you for another two hours. There's so much great <laughs> stuff that you're doing. And uh, we didn't even get a chance to uh, make fun of Vaughn yet. So um, <laughs> I, I will say that um, what's next for you? Like, is there, is there something on the, on the horizon you're working on next with, with your stuff or loiter or, or, or what is it? Um, I'm working on an online platform. I know I've been talking to Vine. How long I've been talking about this Vine? <laughs> yeah, I need to be online. I need people don't have access to me unless you come into my program. That's a problem. I need to spread my wings and, you know, uh, have a more online platform where people can come in, you know, once every quarter or, you know, even have a, a classes that they could take. Because I got a lot of frameworks that I'm teaching. They like piled up to the ceiling. So I want to put this stuff in in a format where people can get access to it. So I'll be launching something very soon, right? So I think the first thing I'll be talking about is personal branding, branding yourself, storytelling, and stuff like that. So I'm aiming to target like young creatives in this space. So it doesn't even have to be photographers. It could be people that work in the salon, barbers, you know, all of these people as creatives too. So helping them, you know, make them accountable and come in and get these lessons and teachings and things like that. So I finally picked a platform that I'm going to use. So I know I was talking to Vaughn about LinkedIn learning and all that stuff. How long I was talking about that, Vaughn? Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. So it's, there's so many different yeah, so, uh, uh, avenues nowadays and opportunities. Yeah. So I got, a, I got, a, I got something that I'm looking towards. I like, so. Well, we can't wait to learn about it. And then we'll have you on the podcast again so you can tell us all about Absolutely. it and get the word yeah. out. Um, if you go to my website, jayworking.com, you could uh, stick your email in there and then I could shoot out a blast from there. And where can we find you on social? So uh, I, guess, I guess my favorite spot would be LinkedIn, right? So Jamal Collins at LinkedIn, and I'll probably make any announcements and stuff like that. I'll probably, I, I want to have like a small group, so... I want to do like a pre-launch to a course, maybe a small group of people, like 10 or 15. So I'm going to do an event bright soon. I was aiming for next month. I'm going to be, I'm going to be talking at Virginia State at the end of the month, too. So I'm talking to some students at Virginia State, too, as well. So Awesome. That's I'm excited great. to see. So in the meantime, where can we support or donate to your cause? What is there a place where people, where you seek you know help where people can support to listen to the show um uh, wasn't taking any donations really um i would guess just you could email me at jcollins 13 at gmail and we could kind of talk about that if you would like a lot of people have been donating like equipment and laptops and things like that so i'm handing out laptops to families um one thing that i really didn't talk about is like kind of COVID really shift everything so my access to program, access to kids kind of was very stagnant from COVID and still kind of mm -hmm. feeling the repercussions from that. So um, I was, you know, handing out laptops to kids and stuff like that. So I'm really not. Oh, I have one sitting here that could go, could use a home. Oh, so yeah, I could shoot my get, get your information and send it okay. your way. Yeah, uh, uh, we do as well. And we also, um, we can donate Vaughn. Um, he's available. <laughs> they would love Vaughn. Uh, thank you, Vaughn. I appreciate everything. You know, they asked me, how did I know you? Cute and cuddly. <laughs> Vaughn, always get very resourceful. Always get back to me. Uh, I love you to death. Aww. <laughs> awesome. 
Well, we appreciate you joining us. (laughs) I'm the clamp. They're just staring at each other. It's so cute. (laughs) Hey, thanks so much for taking time to to be on this podcast, Jamel. I I always, even though I might uh, not comment, I'm always lurking online, seeing what you're doing, seeing what you're up to. Um, It's always it's always fun watching your YouTube videos as well. So um, I appreciate you. I appreciate everything you do to invest in other people's lives. Um, I think that, um, I don't know. I think that's really important and I'm glad that uh, you're so, you're so driven by that. It's awesome. So uh, we want to continue to support you. So if you have any, once you do get your platform up and running, let us know and we'll help get the word out. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate you. (laughs) Yeah. You bet. If you're still listening in, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope you enjoyed this new episode of The Creative Shit Show. And if you did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Have a great creative day.